Good evening. This is Patrick Donahue. We appreciate you listening every Sunday night at this time to Bible Crossfire. We take your calls, take your Bible comments. If you disagree with something we say, call in and prove your position by the Bible. That's what we're here for. If you can prove it by the Bible, then I'll change what I teach, what I believe, what I practice. And I ask the same thing from you, though. If I can prove what I'm teaching by the Bible, then you need to change what you believe, what you teach, and what you practice. Because, as John 8.32 says, only the truth will set us free from sin. False religious teaching won't set us free from sin. Second John 9 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. You can't be saved without God. And so to be saved, to have God and be saved, you've got to abide in the teaching of Christ. It's so important that we follow the teaching of Christ because we can't be saved if we don't. Two plus two can't equal four and five at the same time. Jesus says in Matthew 15, verse 9, But in vain they do worship me, teaching for doctrines the commandments of men. So if we teach the commandments of men instead of the commandments of God, our worship will be in vain, useless or worthless. We can't be saved that way. We've got to teach the truth. We've got to believe the truth. We've got to practice the truth. I thought while we're waiting on our first call, we would talk about a passage that's quoted very often, Matthew chapter 7, verse 1. Let me repeat the number again to call in case you missed the announcer at the beginning of the program. If you have a Bible question or comment, please call us, 877-655-6755. That's 877-655-6755. Matthew chapter 7, verse 1, we've all heard many times in our life, it says... Judge not that you be not judged. I believe that's commonly misused. Anytime sin is preached against, people cry foul. They say, you're judging others as if you are violating this passage that says, judge not that you be not judged. But actually, the context of this text shows that this passage is not condemning all judging of others, but it's condemning hypocritical judging. Here's the gist of it. Don't criticize another if you're doing the same thing you are criticizing them for. Now here's the context to help us see that, verses 1 through 5. Judge not that ye be not judged. For with what judgment ye judge, ye shall be judged. And with what measure ye meet, it shall be measured to you again. And why beholdest thou the mote that is in thy brother's eye, but considerest not the beam that is in thy own eye. Or how wilt thou say to thy brother, Let me pull out the mote out of thine eye, and behold, a beam is in thine own eye? Thou hypocrite, first cast out the beam out of thine own eye, and then thou shalt see clearly to cast out the mote out of thy brother's eye. You see, the point of the passage is not to never judge at all, but to get the beam, something large, out of our own eye, so that we can see clearly to get the moat, that is a small fault, out of our brother's eye. Yes, we are to criticize false doctrine. We are to try to point out sin in others' life and warn them. Of course, we're supposed to do it in a kind and gentle way, but that's our obligation. Ezekiel 3 in the Old Testament said back then that if they didn't warn people as they had the opportunity, their blood would be required at their hand. At their hand. And so it's required for us to point out sin in others' life, false doctrine, false teaching. If we don't take it, 
the opportunity to do that, we're going to be lost because we didn't do it. This is not passages not saying don't do that. Too many other passages are telling us that's a good thing. This is saying you've got to live a good life yourself before you can tell others how to live a good life. You've got to get that big fault, that beam, out of your own life before it would be right to try to help somebody get the moat, some small fault, out of another person's life. So the passage is actually encouraging us to teach against sin. But to get our own life right with God before we start trying to help others get their life right, their life right with God. Again, the number to call, 877-655-6755. If you have a Bible question or a comment, call us at 877-655-6755. Just the opposite of the Bible teaches we shouldn't judge others. Here are some passages that actually require judgment of others. For example, John 7, 20, according to appearance, but judge righteous judgment. Do you see how that's... Don't that do it according to appearance, though. Their... Judge righteous judgment. And then 1 John chapter 4, verse 1. Beloved... Believe not every spirit, but try the spirits whether they are of God, because many false prophets are gone out into the world. So that passage is actually telling us to try to discern who is a false prophet, because there's going to be many false prophets. We are to try the spirits. We have to make judgments to do that. We have, Basically, the judgment is as simple as this. Compare what they're teaching with what the Bible says. If it doesn't match, they're a false teacher. They're a false prophet. If it does match, then they're a true, loyal faithful teacher, gospel preacher, gospel teacher of the gospel. We have to try the spirits. We have to make judgments. Judge not lest you be not judged is not telling us not to make any of those judgments, but it's saying don't do it hypocritically because what the way you judge, you're going to be judged, judged the same way by God. Bible answer, go ahead with your question or comment. Please, Robert from Texas. Yes, sir. How you hey, doing? Robert, can you hear me? You're you're on Bible Crossfire. Thank you. How are you, sir? Very good. How are you Hello? doing? Oh, I'm yeah, all right. can you hear I'm me? All right. Yes, sir. I got you now. Thank you. Yes, sir. I it's possible. I, I was going to say it's possible you need to turn your radio down. There's probably a delay that could confuse you. Oh, all right. You hear me now? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, I, I wanted to ask you a question concerning Peter's denial of the Lord three times and all. And uh, I'm not all that familiar with Church of Christ preaching, but uh, if I understand it right, uh, you have to be baptized to be saved, you have to do good works to be saved, and you lose your salvation. And if you lose your salvation, then you got to go back through being baptized and saved again. And so I'll just kind of get your take on what you thought about Peter denying the Lord three times. Uh seems to me like, according to the teaching there, you have to be saved three different times and rebaptized three different times to be saved again. And I'll, uh, this is I'll get out there and let you just talk. Thank you. Robert? Okay. I think we mi I missed, at least I did, I don't know if the audience heard it, I missed a lot of uh, a lot of the uh, the call. But Robert is saying, what about this idea that you have to be baptized to be saved? In Mark 
chapter 16, verse 16, Jesus said, He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. He that believeth and is baptized shall be saved. So yes, you do have to be baptized to be saved. In Acts 2.38, Peter told those on the day of Pentecost, Repent and be baptized for the remission of sins. And so you have to be baptized to get the forgiveness of sins. Ananias told Saul in Acts 22.16, Arise and be baptized and wash away thy sins, calling on the name of the Lord. So yes, you have to be baptized to get your sins washed away by the blood of Christ. 1 Peter 3.21 says, Baptism doth also now save us. So yes, a person does have to be baptized to be saved according to that passage. Now I think that I missed part of the call. My fault, I guess. I think the caller was asking, well, what if you go into sin after you're baptized? Do you have to be baptized again to be forgiven? And the answer is no. Once You only have to be born again once. Jesus said, except a man be born, born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God, John 3, 3. And then John 3, 5, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. So he elaborates upon what it means to be born again. It involves being born of water and of the Spirit. Of course, that means it's talking about being baptized in water according to the teaching of the Spirit. That's another passage that proves you've got to be baptized to be saved. But the water baptism is part of the born-again process. And, of course, everybody knows you don't have to be born a third time. You only have to be born again once. So what about a Christian? Who A person that's been baptized, he's a Christian, he falls away. What does he have to do? He doesn't have to be baptized again. You don't have to be born again again. Well, next... 8, 12, and 13. <clears throat> Here's a good example of a person like this. It says, But when they believed Philip preaching the things concerning the kingdom of God in the name of Jesus Christ, they were baptized, both men and women. Then Simon himself believed also. And when he was baptized, he continued with Philip and wondered, beholding the miracles and signs which were done. And so here we have Simon the sorcerer, which was believed and was baptized just like these other Samaritans. He was converted, but then he fell into sin in the next six or eight passages. And so Peter accuses him, confronts him. In verse 20 beginning, Peter says, Thy money perish with thee. He had tried to buy the gift of God of the Holy Spirit with money. He says, Thy money perish with thee because thou thought that the gift of God may be purchased with money. Thou hast neither part nor lot in this matter, for thy heart is not right in the sight of God. Repent, therefore, of this thy wickedness, and pray God, if perhaps the thought of thine heart that may be forgiven thee. So here we have Simon, a person that's already a Christian. He goes off into sin. He's lost. And Peter tells him he needs to repent to be forgiven. He doesn't have to go back and be baptized again. No, you don't have to be born again again. You don't have to be born the third time. Once you're a Christian and you go off into sin, then you can repent of your sins and be forgiven for them. You don't have to be baptized again. Here is a passage, 1 John chapter 1, verse 9, that's written to Christians. It says, If we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. This written to Christians means that if a Christian goes off into sin, if he'll repent, if he'll confess that sin to God, God will forgive him. He doesn't have to be baptized again, but he has to repent and confess even then after you're a Christian. Forgiveness of your sins is conditional. It never stops being conditional. Tony from California, go ahead with your Bible question or comment, please. Uh, yes, I had a question uh, about uh, about tithing. Um, basically, I know I hear a lot of different uh, opinions on tithing. Um, some people say to give 
ten percent of your, you know, your first of your income, and then others will say give what's, uh, you know, what's on your heart. Um, I uh, pretty much have like a set amount that I give to my church, not necessarily ten percent, uh, but it's definitely uh, try to give the, the first portion of uh, my income. Uh, so I'm wondering uh, what what's uh, the opinion? What's your opinion on uh, tithing and how to properly tithe? Because I've often uh, struggled with uh, if I'm giving uh, if I'm not giving the ten percent of you know is that right or whatever is on my heart if that's right <laughs> and if that's correct. So, uh, correct way to Tony, do it. it's a very <laughs> good question. You know, the very good question. You know, did you know that tithing is not actually taught in the New Testament law? It's taught in the Old Testament yeah. law, the same place you read about animal sacrifices and circumcision and the Sabbath, things like that, that were only part of the Old Testament law and not in the New Testament law. Did you know that? Uh, yeah, and that's the other, uh, you know, the argument for, uh, the, I guess, tithing as far as um, giving, you don't give 10%. It's not New Testament law, so then you just give what uh, what God puts on your heart. So that's kind of what I've been doing. Um <laughs> I haven't been giving 10%, but I just want to make sure I'm doing it right. <laughs> so, uh, in Galatians chapter 5, verse 3, there's a number of passages like this that tell us that we're, we're not under the Old Testament law anymore, and that, it's, yes. and that we're not under any of it. Chapter 5, verse 4 of Galatians, Christ has become of no effect unto you. Whosoever of you are justified by the law, you are fallen from grace. So it's pretty serious. If we try to be justified by the law, in this particular example, is talking about circumcision. If we try to go back to the old law and bring forth one of those laws, we can even lose our salvation. You see that? Yeah. And so in verse 3, he says, For I testify again to every man that is circumcised, he's a debtor to do the whole law. What he's trying to say is it's either all or nothing with that Old Testament law. You can't go back and just get one law like circumcision or tithing or any yeah. other particular law and bring it forward and say that's binding. If you're going to do that to be consistent, you're going to have to go back and keep the whole thing. Now, his point is not that he wants you to go back and keep the whole thing. His point is that none of it is, is binding today, including tithing. You follow what I'm saying? Now, right, I, I want to read to you a passage in 1 Corinthians, 1 Corinthians chapter 16 about giving, Tony. It says, now, concerning the collection for the saints, as I have given order to the churches of Galatia, even so do ye upon the first day of the week... Let every one of you lay by him in store as God hath prospered him, that there be no gatherings when I come. And so even though the New Testament doesn't teach us to tithe, it still teaches that we're to give as we've been prospered. In other words, it's supposed to be proportional to how much you make. A rich person should give more than a poor person is what it's trying to say. You follow me, Tony? Oh, yeah, definitely. Uh-huh. Well, I now, uh, I'm also going to read one more passage. Second. Uh-huh. Go ahead. Sure. 2 Corinthians 8, 1, verse 1 beginning says, Moreover, brethren, we do you to wit of the grace of God bestowed on the churches of Macedonia, how then a, that in a great trial of affliction the abundance of their joy and their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. For to their power... We might say, for to their credit, I bear record, yea, and beyond their power, they were willing of themselves, praying us with much entreaty that we should receive the gift and take upon the, us the fellowship, the ministering to the saints, saints. And this they did not as we hoped, but first gave their own selves to the Lord and unto us by the will of God. And so these people, they 
gave beyond their power. They gave, uh, 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 through the abundance of their joy, their, their deep poverty abounded unto the riches of their liberality. Tony, I believe when we take everything that the New Testament has to say into consideration, probably we'd be a whole lot better off giving more than 10%. More than 10%. Right. right. You there? Yeah, yeah, I'm here. Can you hear me? There's, there's no set rate. There, yeah, there's no set rate, 10%. But, but my wife and I, we try to give quite a bit more than 10%. Because we have, uh-huh. we're blessed with a whole lot more spiritual blessings, you might say, than they were in the Old Testament. We've got a better law, a better covenant. Jesus died on the, on the cross for us. We, we should be so, so thankful we want to give a lot, I think, a lot more than that 10%. But I, I'm not going to name a number or percentage because the New Testament doesn't name a percentage. But it should be according to what we prosper. The more we make, the more we give. Tony, any more follow-up? Uh, just to, yeah, I appreciate the answer. Just another quick question, General, about give, uh, giving. Um, when we give, I feel like the Lord bless, has blessed me with the gift of, of giving. Um, I've always been one to give my time or finances to you know people in need. Um, now I know the Bible says the Lord loves a cheerful giver. Uh, there are times though when I give that I don't necessarily feel, feel cheerful. And um, I'm wondering, um, would it be best just not to give in that moment that I don't, that I don't feel, feel cheerful? Uh, you know, would it be best just not to give? Give like I'll give out of haste. I know that the you know we shouldn't give out of haste, and sometimes I do that. And then, but when I don't give, sometimes uh, I feel bad. When I, <laughs> as I look back on it, I, I feel bad. Like I should have gave. I feel guilty. So I don't know if the Lord is uh, you know like. Uh, I feel like not condemned, but uh, you know, I feel like I should have gave. But um, there are times where I, when I, when I give, that it's just more of like out of haste. But I try to give cheerfully. But um, I was just wondering what your thought is on that as well. I think I want to illustrate that with a, a dis- discussion of the Lord's Supper in First Corinthians eleven. Uh-huh. In First Corinthians eleven, it's talking about eating the Lord's Supper, how that we show the Lord's death till He come and. In verse 28, he says, But let a man examine himself, and so let him eat of that bread and drink of that cup. So we're to examine ourselves when we take the communion, eat the Lord's Supper. Now, suppose I were to say, well, I'm examining myself, and I I don't have the right attitude, so I'm not going to eat the Lord's Supper. I think we can Uh all see that's not the right way to go. What we need to do is change our attitude, get the right attitude, get in the right frame of mind, and eat the Lord's Supper. Two wrongs right. don't make a right. So I right. guess what I'm trying to say, and maybe it's easier said than done, we, two wrongs are not going to make a right. We need to get our attitude right. We need to train ourselves. Again, I say it's easier said than done. Train ourselves um, to want to give to the Lord. It's not going to be something like this is something I'm begrudging. We we, we uh-huh. planned it out how much we're going to give, and we're going to do it happily because we, we know that this is going to help the cause of Christ. We've been planning to do it this way. We're not going to miss it because we've already planned that it's going to be outside of our budget. Because we, and so so w- this is something that takes work, and we train ourselves to, to give cheerfully. And so we change our attitude so that we can give like we ought to. Tony, what do you okay. think? Yeah, well, I pre- yeah that, that sounds good. We definitely uh, I need to work on that. Um, I guess what I meant to say was when I give to, like let's say, like a homeless person um, – or somebody you know that might need some money that's asking for money. Somebody standing outside a liquor store, 
asking for money. I, and I try to give. Um, and I know some people don't like to give because they think they're going to use that money to, you know, buy, you know, drugs or alcohol. But I say it's not us, up to us to judge what they're going to do with it. It's up to God, you know. If we give, it's you know, if they do what they want to do with it, that's that's on them, between them and God. It's not up between us. So I, I don't, I don't, I still try to give. I know there's some people that, that don't give because of that. But I still try to give because no matter what, we still should always be ready to, uh, you know, be there for to lift somebody up in any way we can for Christ. So, Tony, let me ask you what you think about a passage. Second Thessalonians chapter three verse ten says, "For even when we were with you, this we commanded you, that if any would not work, neither should he eat." Okay. Uh-huh. Did, you, uh-huh. did you follow what that text said? Yes. What I'm tr- what I'm trying to suggest to you is is that. We are supposed to, in some cases, make a judgment. Here's a person uh-huh. that's lazy. He uh-huh. won't work, and so he's out He's out begging for food. The right. best thing you can do for him, do you remember the expression tough love as, applies to, as applied to raising children? Sometimes oh, yeah. the best uh-huh. kind of love is tough love. Sometimes we have to show tough love and not help a person who's not willing to work because as long as people just dole out, free money, free food, he'll never learn to work, you see? Right. But if right. people will quit helping him, the hunger will cause him to go out and work. So uh-huh. I, I do. I say we do need to make some judgments about where our money is going, and many uh-huh. times the best, the best thing to do with your money, in my opinion, is, of course, we are supposed to help folks less fortunate than we are, but another thing that people overlook is use your money to help the cause of Christ. Right. You and I'm not like, saying give money to TV preachers. Don't do that. <laughs> no, <laughs> definitely not. <laughs> no, no. All they're wanting no. to do is buy private airplanes, two or three houses, exactly. and stuff like that. Don't do that. Exactly. But I'm saying, exactly. use your money to preach the cause of, to preach the gospel of Christ, and you know it's money well spent. Amen. Thank you. Thank you so much. I appreciate that uh, that, that answer. That's, that's very true. <laughs> thank you for your call, Tony. Thank you, Patrick. Bye-bye. Bye. If you have a Bible question or comment, we got a couple, a couple of minutes left. Give us a call, 877-655-6755. We were talking about judge not lest you be judged, and we're looking at some passages that actually require us to judge others. For example, 2 John verses 9-11 through 11 says, Whosoever transgresseth and abideth not in the doctrine of Christ hath not God. He that abideth in the doctrine of Christ, he hath both the Father and the Son. If there come any unto you and bring not this doctrine, receive him not into your house, neither bid him God's speed, for he that biddeth him God's speed is partaker of his evil deeds. So this, first of all, says we have to abide in the teaching of Christ to have God to be saved. But then it goes on to say, if somebody else is not abiding in the teaching of Christ, we're not to bid them God's speed, meaning we're not to help them sin. Or encourage them in their sin. So we're going to have to make judgments. We're going to have to judge. This verse requires us to make judgments about others. Because if they're not abiding in the teaching of Christ, we're going to have to make the judgment that they're not abiding in the teaching of Christ and therefore not help them in what they're doing. Else we become a partaker in their evil deeds. How about Second Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 6? A lot of churches don't even know this verse is in there. Now we command you, brethren, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, that you withdraw yourselves 
from every brother that walketh disorderly, and not after the tradition which he received of us. So here's somebody that's not walking according to this not walk, walking according to the word of God. We try to get them to repent. If they don't repent, we're going to have to withdraw from them. We're going to have to, and that requires a judgment. How about Revelation 2.2? 2? I know thy works and thy labor and thy patience and how thou canst not bear them which are evil and thou hast tried them which say they are apostles and are not and hast found them liars. And so here we have an approved example of people who were trying others and they whether or not they were apostles and they found out they were not really apostles. They had to make a judgment and they they figured it out. They examined the situation, found out they weren't really apostles, but they were liars. They had to judge. So in many cases, we're required to judge. Matthew 7, 1 is not telling us not to judge at all, but don't judge hypocritically. Don't criticize somebody for something they're doing that you're also doing. We're going to have to go off there. We appreciate you listening. Talk to me via email all week long. Go to my website. There you can send me an email. BibleCrossFire.com.